Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me on the Above180.com podcast is Sean Rash. Sean has 11 career PBA titles. He bowled collegiately at Wichita State. Sean is on staff with Brunswick and Vice. Sean Timberg here. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome stuff. Well, figured it'd be great to chat with you after, after I sent you the message. Just a little peek behind the curtain. I sent you the message after your 10th win congratulating you and saying, let's get you on a show upcoming. And you were overseas and you said, I'm going to be back, uh, you know, coming up at the end, end part of the month. And then, lo and behold, I watched the show again last week and you win again. <laughs> So I say, congrats again, and let's get you on again. So, um, yeah, so it was just a, a great timing now that we're able to finally connect. And how is how exciting is it for you when, you know, the, the tournament up in Detroit, everything is taped, and you still kind of have to wait to show your enthusiasm and, you know, try to not spoil it for folks out there? Well, it's just, first and foremost, a blessing to just win. Um, you, you only get so many chances uh, throughout your career, and, uh, Detroit was a great week for me and then television was even better winning two of the, of the shows that I was on and um, you know I'm just very fortunate and very lucky to, to play a game that we love and uh, you know sometimes it's thanks to the wait to tell everybody in the world but you know there are the spoilers and everything else you know people that want to know the, the answers and the wins and, and scores before it's actually televised but um, you know now that the, the cat is so out of the bag I guess uh, we can tell everybody that uh, we've won two more times, and we're at number eleven. So, great stuff. And getting to number ten and eleven, you know, reading some of the releases from the PBA, you've went through a lot of uh, challenges over the last year with uh, with some tendonitis and with some grip and pressure issues and changes. Talk about that and expand on that a little bit, because I know that's one thing. You know, when we're both big NFL fans, and you watch other sports, and there's a lot of you know the injury reports come out, and you see who's hurt, who's not hurt. Is it kind of the same in bowling where people know you're kind of struggling to get through things or is it a little more on the hush-hush side? 
Yeah, I think it's more on the hush hush side. Um, you know, some people know if you're hurt or not, but uh, we kept it quiet. We kept trying to fix things, do different things here and there. We've been trying different grips and everything through the last seven or eight months. Um, been very fortunate to still compete, just not at the highest part or the highest level. And, uh, you know, things are finally starting to click uh, right afterwards. And uh, we were able to put everything together in the week in Detroit. So talk about the, the change from grips to no grips and how that has been able to help. Uh, well, it was one of those things. I buried my fingers so far. I was squeezing awfully hard. And uh, the grips is to help me try to not squeeze, uh, not put them in as far, only put them into the crease. Um, and it was really one of those things to just get the rev rate back up. I had lost a lot of the rev rate. You lose, uh, as you get older on tour, you lose your rev rate and try to do different things. And, um, it was just a suggestion. Uh, I hadn't used the grip since I was 16, 17 years old. So it was a big change for me, but, uh, so far it's been okay. I, we've tried some different pitches. We're still working on them. Uh, got to probably start wearing some tape around the fingers cause I do cut, um, uh, because my hands get dry. And, uh, you know, the rubber on your fingers and whatnot. But uh, it's, a, it's a new process, still learning it, and uh, still trying to get better every day. So talk about how you're able to get more without using the grips, because a lot of people, that would seem counterintuitive. Well, it's all based on how your finger pitches and everything are and how you come out of the bowling ball. Realistically, though, there's probably less than 10% of the guys on tour that use no grips anymore either. Most of the guys do use grips, and have gone from no grips to grips uh, as they age. You know, you just can't catch it like you used to, and, and everything else. So, um, it's a new uh, it's a new thing for me. You know, Parker switched a few years ago. Uh, the only guy I can think off the top of my head that doesn't use grips are uh, Norm Duke. Um, realistically, uh, everybody else uses grips that I know of. Um, you know, when you don't use grips, you got to bevel the holes, and everybody knows I used to bevel the the lights out of them, the daylights, and uh, it took forever to work out a bowling ball, and now it saved me probably 15 minutes each ball. Awesome. Speaking of equipment, the melee jab seems to be one of your go-to pieces. Talk about why that is and how that ball seems to give you just what you're looking for on the lanes. Well, it's just a great symmetric piece in the Brunswick line, and, uh, you know, to be honest, I was not a fan of the melee jab when it first came out. I drilled a couple of them, just didn't see my eye the right way, and probably didn't have the right layouts or right services on them and uh our uh, fearless leader brian graham kept telling me hey you're going to find one of these that you're just going to fall in love with soon and um it happened at the at the u.s open last year i had a pin down hold down melee jab and and shot 300 at the u.s open and uh unfortunately at the u.s open is when i popped my tendon and had you know the hand injury and everything else but uh that was when i finally really started to fall in love with that ball it was just uh a great piece. It, it worked in uh, the transitions, the new oils we've been using, and, and everything else. So uh, it's been one of those balls that have been in my bag ever since the U.S. Open last year. I've got a couple of them, and uh, just ordered a brand new case box of them too, so I could have some on uh, on the backside because the ball is three or four years old now, and uh, you know bowling balls don't last very long. So with all the new balls that uh, our companies make and, and all the other brands make, you got to keep up with the new stuff and. You always like to have one of those uh, favorite go-to balls in your bag. And along those same lines, talking about equipment and such, the U.S. Open had, is having some changes this year. I read Jeff Riggle's piece. We talked about it a little bit last time I, I chatted with Stu Williams about it. And I want to get your take a little bit to expand a little bit on what you said with Jeff. And the one thing where I think 
out of your comments that stuck out the most is, you know, for me, uh, for, you know, the going f- down to the eight isn't going to be a big deal because you're used to traveling with fewer, you know, fewer pieces when you go overseas. But it's that changing of the, the surfaces that is going to be probably a little bit of a learning curve for you guys. Is that is that an accurate statement? Or not yeah, being I able to it's ch- close. I mean, unfortunately, we just don't know the length of the pattern. Um, and it's all relative to how people want to play them. You know, if A squad wants to go in there and play fifth arrow to start, they're going to be ugly. Um, you know, thankfully, last year, USBC put out a pattern where you weren't supposed to play fifth arrow to start. Uh, you were supposed to start out in the track, and there was enough volume, and, and guys were pretty nice. You know, they didn't use 500 grit to start. Um, unfortunately, some of the guys and the patterns around the world lately has made guys want to throw urethane when they don't need to. Um, you know, urethane, in my mind, makes the lane more unpredictable than anything. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um for control and everything else. But, um, you know, Ryan Schaefer put up a really good post the other day. Uh, you know, the guys that are throwing urethane, it doesn't mean they have great touch. It's just they're able to throw it over their left toe and they have hold down lane because that's what urethane does. So got a valid point with that as well. So, um, you know, it's very interesting to see and listen to everybody's take. Uh, end of the day, um, some of the biggest things, and it will always be the things are, repeating shots, making your spares, catching a double when you can, taking advantage of the opportunities when you get them, and uh, just being patient. Um, you can't control everybody else. That's one of the biggest things I fight with myself is I'm like, oh, this guy's doing this or this guy's doing that. Why am I not doing this? I like to watch the scoreboard too much, uh, unfortunately. Uh, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. It's nice to know what the scoring pace is. But you know, if I make the best shot I can every single time and I repeat, end of the day, I'm going to be doing okay. I'm probably going to make the cut, have a chance at the show. And when you get to TV, everything's different then. So uh, there's so many different parts to our events that we bowl with bowling balls and lane play and coaching and squad equity and everything else. It's uh, it's really hard to predict what's going to happen for the U.S. Open and, and even other events that are coming up. Yeah, now I'm, I'm guessing you don't know the length, but you have to think they're going to try to do something similar. I mean, they had to be you know, fairly – happy with the results of what they saw last year of what you guys did. I know the one thing in talking in the interviews we've done with Chad Murphy before is he doesn't like having people carve patterns out incorrectly and play the way, you know, play fifth air off the bat. So that should give you guys at least a little bit of optimism that things are going to be remotely similar, at least in some way, shape or form than they were last year for you guys. The, the only thing that sucked last year was a lefty led and led by a bunch. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy for Ryan, but that's probably the only thing they didn't want was somebody to just run away with it and hide. But, you know, he found something he could do that no one else could do. He repeated. He made good shots. He won matches. And that's why he won and why he was supposed to win. You know, unfortunately, he almost lost uh, to Dom there on the television show. There was one or two hits away from him not winning. But, uh, you know, by far outbowled everybody. Um, he was able to do the certain thing that nobody else could do. And I wish I wouldn't have got injured. I really liked my look on the fresh. Uh, I bowled really good until I had popped my, uh, my hand. And, uh, I felt like that was one that, you know, I haven't had a lot of success at the U S open over the years. I've, I've had some moments, but, uh, you know, that was a, a tough week for me having that injury at the end of it. So for someone who's never bowled on or experienced a double burn, is there any way to describe that to the listeners out there? Well, just 
don't get too excited about that. It says double burn and they're going to be impossible because they're not. I mean, they were plenty playable. We've had events like that in the past. They were just fine. Uh, you know, it's still about shot making, repeating shots. Bowling balls are weak enough. There's plenty of bowling balls on the low end of every company that you can throw still, whether it's Brunswick or Storm or Evanite or Motive or Global or Radical or Deviate. You're going to be able to find something to trick it. Um, you know, the, there's going to be enough shots that you're going to have something to throw it at. There's going to be plenty of oil on the lane. Um, just hit the one in the front, make your spares, let your bowling ball be your guide, and don't panic. You know, everyone's going to have that bad game. You know, that's why the, the U.S. Open has so many games and, and everything else. All right, well, one of the other things you assist with quite a bit is the Brunswick mini camps. You did them over the, over the spring and uh, such. Talk about what the best part about getting together with your team there and doing that is. Well, the Brunswick bowling camps are something that we had have had ideas for for years, and we just finally put it into tuition over the last couple. Um, and we're really excited about what's coming up over the next year already because we're setting some up back in the Northeast again in April, and we do them around the world. We got some in Japan set up in January. I uh, got some stuff in Europe in March, and uh, it's just a blessing um, to be able to give back to a sport that has given me so much, but our entire team, you know, and that team is. We're a very small team compared to the other staffs, but you got Chuck Gardner and Parker Bone and Walter Ray, myself, Smallwood, Simonelli, uh, Van Hees, Sterner, Cameron Weir, you know, Petraglia, uh, Ronnie Sparks, Matt McNeil. Um, it's just it's so nice when we all get together and you know there's a big group of us. Uh, you know, one of the things we do is we require so many guys to be there. That way we can give them so many coaches and whatnot, but. Uh, all the camps that we asked to do that, they exceeded it. So we were able to bring more coaches in. And, you know, when you have a, an opportunity to work with any one of us uh, for basically a whole day, because we make it an event. We don't just make it, hey, you're going to come in for a couple hours, get a couple pointers and take off. It's, it's a seven, eight-hour day. Um, you know, we have a couple hours in a classroom. We're on the lanes for a couple hours, two different times. Uh, we serve lunch or dinner. You know, we have a picture and autograph session. We have a little fun event at the end. Uh, we want people to feel like they're getting their money's worth. So, you know, you go to a football, baseball, basketball game, you spend, you know, $50 or $200 a day for three or four hours. That's the same reason why we do is we want you to feel like you're coming to a sporting event at the same time, getting back something, uh, that you really love to do. And, uh, it's just, it's been a blast, uh, to be able to do these events over the last couple of years. And we've seen many repeaters. We go back to some of the same locations, uh, we, I get messages all the time for, uh, Hey, can you come to the West coast or the, you know, somewhere in the South or Midwest. And unfortunately our weekends are booked up so far in advance that we're not able to do all the events we want. All right. Well, still a lot of bowling to be done here in 2016, but right now, who, who do you think is leading the bowler of the year standings and who are you chasing for that? Cause obviously your name with those two wins and obviously I know you're taking it one event at a time, et cetera, but winning those two titles has to get your name up there as well. If you can have a strong, you know, strong fall and strong world series. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's five guys that have a, uh, their name in the, the so-called hat right now. I think leading the way would be Yester Svensson, uh, one, because he's got a major and then two other wins. Uh, his third win being overseas, everyone kind of gives it an exclamation point, but I still consider it a win. I think both of them actually are overseas, um, to be honest. So those those kind of hurt to a certain extent, but he still beat a great field. Uh, the Euro Challenge was huge. He pulled really good. Um, second, I would think, uh, would be 
Anthony Simonson and myself kind of close to second place. Uh, one reason for Anthony is uh, the doubles event from last December at the World Series counts as a title for this season. Uh, so that one kind of hurts him, but he won a major. Uh, the only reason mine, I put me up in around the second place portion is uh, the Detroit Open is kind of like a major, so to say. You bowl three different tournaments, multiple games, multiple patterns, um, and whatnot. So, and then I had the second title, which is one, it's a sprint. Um, you know, I only bowled 14 games total, but somebody was asking me, oh, do you think it's enough? Well, I bowled more games than Simonelli did when he won in Maine, um, when he won the, the, the bracket shootout. So, and then, uh, you got Simonelli, who I would think would be third, fourth, uh, give or take. And then EJ Tackett, cause Tackett's got two wins, um, you know, one there at the fall swing and then, uh, the Cheetah championship win in April here in the Chicago lay on, on the extra frame tour. So. You've got uh, those are the five guys that I would put in the in the running. Um, you know, there's a lot that comes down to it. You know, Jesper is leading the way with money by a, a long shot. Um, money doesn't really mean a whole lot. Average means a little bit. Television shows um, and how the rest of your year has gone. You know, uh, you know for the most part, I didn't have a very good beginning of the year um, at the Masters. You know, I just missed the cut. Bolt okay at the TSC. Okay, the players, uh, you know, Simonelli led the players, lost in the finals. So just how people look at it, it uh, really will come down to in Vegas, you got three events. Um, you know, one of us five win the U.S. Open or World Championships. It's almost a lock unless somebody just runs away with the, the World Series and makes three or four shows and, and wins one or two of them. So what are you doing to prepare for the U.S. Open? Are you, are you back able to where you, your hand is, is well enough that you're able to bowl the games you need to to make it through a grind? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, right after uh, my event here in the Aurora area that Ryan won, one of the largest extra frame events we've had, one of the most demanding ones, um, you know, we bowled on three different patterns. I went straight to Korea. I finished in fifth. I uh, lost in the round of eight to Anthony Simonson. Uh, bowled a couple 300s with, and a 299 with the new Forest Green Quantum, which was pretty cool. And then uh, I took a week off. I was in San Diego for three days, went and watched the football game and uh, saw some friends. But uh, back at it, I started practicing Monday and yesterday took the day off. But going to get a couple of days of practicing in this next week and uh, throughout the weekend, still contemplating on bowling in Kokomo, Indiana. But it doesn't look good as of right now. It's my last weekend that I'll be home for the rest of the year. So I'm um, going to maybe try to enjoy uh, some family time. But uh you know, and then I'll, uh, I'm actually flying to Vegas early next Wednesday and get a couple of days of practice in before we start and uh, with Chuck and some of our teams coming out early, and uh, we'll start up and get ready to go. So I've uh, been still running and, and trying to stay in better shape and have some good stamina. All right. Well, I want to hit on a few things. Thank you for reminding me, by the way, of, uh, of the event, a great event you put on in Chicago there. Talk about what, what – what gave you the initiative or why you were like, you know what, I want to step in, I want to be the front and be the face of this and really get pros up here to come and bowl? Because that was a big deal. That was a big event. And you got a lot of bowlers. It wasn't just your normal regional. You got bowlers coming from all over the U.S. for that. Yeah, well, it was ninety. we had 95 entries. We had people from all over the country. Uh, we would have got a few more if uh, you know there was more money or other events behind it. There was about 15 to 20 guys that didn't show that I would expect to come if it was a bigger event, you know, counting international. But um, we paid ten grand on top. We paid a thousand dollars last cash, which is twenty five guys cashed or twenty four guys cashed. Uh, we bowled on three different patterns. We had an unbelievable pro am. Uh, we had an amazing barbecue party Saturday night with a live band. 
uh, extra frame coverage all weekend. I uh, even had a guy from uh, our TV ESPN crew come in for the weekend and film some stuff. We're trying to put together a special edition for uh, extra frame and the PVA with that. And it's just a great weekend. Um, it's nice to be able to give back in multiple forms. I ran a huge regional in Wichita a few years ago, uh, right before the world championships. Uh, we had 160 entries. So that kind of helped there because of the world championships right behind it. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things. It was nice to be able to run an event and give back to the players because, we're always looking for things to bowl. Uh, the center I bowl at Parkside here, Parkside Lanes in Aurora, 54 lanes, great facility, great owners, great GMs, uh, and great players and, and fans in the, in the area. You know, Chicago used to host the event up at Hawthorne for years and uh, wanted to get something back in this area. And uh, we're working on next year already. And, you know, if I can find uh, five to ten really large sponsors that are five-figure sponsors, and if not six, then we'll have more events and uh, more money and, possibly television all right well so a couple final questions i have for you so as you mentioned uh, you you have a daughter you have kaylee and your wife sarah talk about how that adds perspective to bowling and how you're able to see the bigger picture of things in life these days as opposed to that you know when you came out on tour that you know first and second title when you were out there you know by (laughs) yeah it changes everything you know when you turn around regardless if you're winning or losing that just you have a family that loves you and supports you and doesn't matter how well or how bad you do and they're going to be with you through the thick and thin and uh it's nice to have their support especially when you're going well but even when it's going bad that's the time that you need your family and your friends the most so i'm very blessed to have my family at the shows in detroit Uh, i've got a lot of great friends around the country i got a family in ohio i've got family you know some of my closest friends still live in wichita and now in san diego i consider them family and uh, it's just so nice to be able to get the phone calls and the messages and, and even the people around the world that just kind of keep you motivated and keep you going. Hey, you know, proud of you, looking forward to seeing your next show and everything else. So um, it's just I'm very, very fortunate to uh, to play a game that I love and um, and love to travel and everything else. All right, final question I have. You mentioned the new Quantum Series, seeing those up there. People are very excited on the staff side of that. Talk about some of the other great stuff going on with Brunswick and Deviate and uh, and everything over there in uh, Michigan. Yeah, you know, Brunswick just came out with the new uh, Fire Green Quantum, or the Fire Red Quantum, and then the Forest Fire Green uh, Quantum. Uh, these two pieces uh, are already out and available to the public. You can start getting them in pro shops, I think, November 1st. You know, some public people, some people can get them at pro shops, but, uh, you know, and then Deviate just announced a couple balls yesterday, the Freak Show Solid and uh, Grudge Pearl, and then you got the Fix and the Jackpot Solid from Radical and uh, our company has always been, you know, the leader kind of in the industry of new balls and technology and cores and covers and, and all that other stuff. And uh, it's just been fun being able to work with them. I just got uh, confirmation I'm flying up to Muskegon in, in November, uh, right after the U.S. Open, to uh, do some more ball testing and, and do some videos for, you know, the releases that are be coming out in, in 2017. So excited about that. But and one of the great parts about our company is we're a small team. We work extremely close together. We talk to each other all the time. And, uh, you know, every company has their little runs, but we've had the, the greatest run of them all over the last uh, 12 to 15 months with multiple wins. And, you know, the PVA, the PVA 50, the women's series, you know, regionals, amateur city stuff, you know, internationally we've uh, and, and whatnot. So we've had a nice little run. You know, Simonelli's won four or five times in the last 12, 13 months. I've won twice. Uh, 
uh, Cameron's or three times. Cameron's one, Parker's one, Van He's one. Uh, we got multiple guys making multiple shows. It's uh, it's a great time at, to be a part of Brunswick and uh, just the sport of bowling itself. You know, things are on the rise. TV schedule just came out recently with the PBA for the first half of 2017. It looks awesome. Uh, you know, 19 total tournaments on ESPN, eight or nine live shows. You got special events, you got singles events, you got doubles events, team events. Um, it's a great time to be a part of uh, our sport. Awesome stuff, Sean Rash. I want to wish you all the best of luck and continued success for 2016. I appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, we have an, a good finish of the year and put the name in the half of POI again would always be a pleasure. So, uh, you never know what might happen. <laughs>